Welcome to the latest episode of City Tech Stories, where we highlight the voices of City Tech students, faculty, and staff, and talk about the issues affecting them. Enjoy today's episode. This podcast was brought to you by Kitchen Mysteries, Revealing the Science of Cooking, by Irve This and Jody Gladden. An international celebrity and founder of Molecular Gastronomy, or the Scientific Investigation of Culinary Practice, Hervé This is known for his groundbreaking research into the chemistry and physics behind everyday cooking. His work is consulted widely by amateur cooks and professional chefs, and has changed the way food is approached and prepared all over the world. Kitchen Mysteries, available now at the City Tech Library. Today we're going to talk about one-shot library instruction, um, I'm Nora Almeida, instruction librarian at City Tech, and today talking to Ann Leonard, who I'll let introduce herself. Thanks for having me on your, your podcast, Nora. Um, my name is Ann Leonard. I'm at City Tech. I'm the coordinator of library instruction and information literacy. That means that I spend a good amount of my time working with my colleagues who also do library instruction, and we'll talk about that, and also with uh, discipline faculty, primarily in the English department and mostly um, folks who teach first-year writing to um, bring library instruction and information literacy into their classrooms, uh, whether that's you know remote through how, how we've been learning now or whether that's in our, our learning spaces in the library, which we're not using at this time. Um, but it's usually done in this model we all call the one-shot, and others might not know what the one-shot means, the one-shot. This is where I've often wanted to um, call it a workshop you know, because it really is just a workshop, but if we call it a workshop, then we confuse it with our workshop programming. Um, so there, there are all kinds of little weird semantical things that I would love to iron out in a, in a perfect library instruction universe. And the, the, even the term library instruction, yeah. what does that even mean to many people? Yeah, I don't know. I guess we would have to ask non-librarians <laughs> to find out, yeah. Yeah, I think our colleague who did some usability testing showed that library instruction doesn't, doesn't mean very much to a lot of folks. So these are these, I guess what I, I have a lot, a lot of things I, I wish we could do that I, I would love to talk about, but I think it's also good to kind of um, talk about, you know, where we are and um, what we've been doing. Yeah. So, I mean, um, we both read this article and editorial about um, the one shot that was in the college and research libraries journal. And it was also a call for other people to think about the one shot and reimagine it. So, you know, some of the things that came up in that article, I think are interesting in terms of like shaping this conversation. And the article starts by talking about the efficacy of the one-shot model, both like, you know, in the local sense of like how we think about it as effective on our campus and given the relationships that you've built with English faculty and um, your role as coordinator, but also, you know, the one-shot is kind of this like contested thing within our profession too of like, whether or not it's effective at all. It's a model that many you know, colleges and universities use. It's not you know, unique to city tech. So yeah, I guess I just would love to hear a little bit about your thoughts about efficacy and maybe some of the elements of um, a library workshop or a library instruction session or however you'd wanna think about it um, that makes the session more or less effective. That's a really interesting thing to think about. I think about the, the, the times when I get an email from a classroom instructor that I've been working with and, you know, for whom I, I do this sort of, um, I think, think this, the, the article that we referred to calls it the spiel. And I really 
that spiel really resonates with me is that the thing I, I, I do try to, I try not to spiel because it feels like it just doesn't feel real. It feels like I'm singing a, a, a Homeric epic that I've memorized and it may, may or may not touch anybody in the room. And it's also very um, one directional. Um, but I think about the times that I've gotten an email from the classroom instructor that's very positive and you know glowing. And it was such a, you know, our, my students learned a lot. And that's not really proving efficacy, is it? I don't no, know. it's not. <laughs> so um, what I, I mean, as, as we've been talking, I'm, I'm thinking like, well, why don't we find a way into the assessment of first year writing? Mm -hmm. How is that done? Do, do students who complete a semester of first year writing or complete the, the two semester sequence, what happens to how they've, the measure of how they've learned to write? Do we, do we talk to them after they've graduated? That would be awesome. I don't know if that happens anywhere. I, I don't know if it's happening at our institution. And maybe that's something we can, we can bring up with our colleagues in, in other departments is, um, you know how they look at the the foundation or the or the first year courses for you know for the gen ed uh, part of the curriculum and also for the for the major part of the curriculum and um, I think the general theme of um, I guess where my where my head is at in terms of library instruction and the one shot is collaboration and conversation and um, more reflection on what is what is working is is our is our way forward that is a very big ask in terms of our time and time is a resource an extremely valuable resource that we just we um it's a reprioritization too that we need to really think through so i feel like i'm i'm not really answering the questions in the <laughs> in the uh, way we're we're sort of structuring them but I, I hope that's okay yeah i mean i think i the idea of the spiel resonates with me as a person who does a lot of these sessions and like thinking about how to make it not a spiel like it is very iterative right so like you know trying to think about using something that you do over and over again as a way to as an instrument for like being able to build from that or improve or just try new things which you know is one of the features of it <laughs> that is like I guess exciting but it can maybe become a spiel especially in the context of like the, the compressed time yeah. <laughs> we have, yeah, to like really actually think, rethink things or to collaborate meaningfully with faculty, many of whom are part-time, especially in English departments. But I also like the idea of like that some of the things you brought up in terms of understanding whether it's effective, not just like in the immediate moment <laughs> after the session happens, like a student remembers one thing for a little while, but like how you can do meaningful assessment. So I don't know um, if you can speak a little bit to kind of like what assessment means. Like a lot of times assessment might be more of like kind of a numerical type of measurement or like, you know, I don't know what assessment means to you. And then maybe thinking about ways assessment might mean something else in terms of like how the institution perceives assessment or the efficacy of these things. So yeah, I'm just curious about your thoughts about how we can assess these, um, what other people maybe think assessment is when it comes to these sessions. Well, there, we do have to do a lot of reporting of statistics and, and num numbers of sessions and numbers of people in our sessions and numbers of workshops and so on. And that's, um, that's kind of gratifying too, because at City Tech, our program is really large and we reach a, literally thousands of students every semester. That's great. Um, that's not totally satisfying in terms of assessment. And um, what I would really like to know is what happens 
to and in thinking about the the credit course i know nora that you're teaching right now the um documentation in the information age class i would love to look at what happens with those those students over a period of time and i think i think you know these the assessment we do right now is you know a, a sort of a, a one minute paper what is one thing you learn today that you think you see yourself using in a future research assignment but that's just a, i mean I'd, i would never discredit the value of, of reflecting on some learning that's happening mm-hmm. but there's there's really more that i that i that i want to know do students do they come away knowing that libraries have a lot of online resources? That would be useful to know. And that, that would actually be okay because there, there's, in, the, in the sessions that we do, I think there is a necessary level of sort of library skills that is almost like, it's not information literacy, but it's not not information literacy. It's, but it's definitely, it's definitely a, you know, a skill. It's, it's not really necessarily um, a fully developed sort of crossing from one area of knowledge to the next level at all. But I think understanding that, you know, and a lot of City Tech students may transfer, may continue their degree elsewhere. And if, if they understand that, you know, it, it works this way here and it also works similarly at another place. And wow, the public library is, it has a lot of the same, if not the same specific resources the same structures to get at that information and also the same ways to get help when you when you need it and i think that's that would be something i would like to be able to measure mm-hmm. but that's really measuring information use in someone's in someone's life way beyond the first year writing classroom so um, i have a lot of ideas but none of them are practical <laughs> in terms of in terms of assessment i guess i guess we could all probably say that yeah um, but i think and I, i'm sure that's something that um that pe- the questions that people have asked is how do we find out what goes on, you know, after, in some cases, you know, way, way after the first year writing information literacy one shot where a librarian comes to class or the, the class the students come to the library to learn about library resources and how to use them for a specific assignment. That's typically what we can do in 75 minutes. Right. Yeah. I mean, it's interesting that, like, I mean, you brought up the term information literacy, which I mean, I think that also that's interesting because I feel like because information literacy is part of just like, like general education, it's like a term that's used in other contexts too. So I'm always curious, like what other people think information literacy is too, like outside of the context of like the library instruction session. And it sounds like thinking about, yes, thinking about how people practice research or like looking for information later is maybe part of that. Um, And like, I think that's one of the big conversations that surrounding efficacy that I've heard other librarians kind of talk about is, you know, the difficulty of having kind of like any idea of like, you you know, that one shot is like a box. (laughs) And it's hard to like see outside of that 75 minute box because you don't always have access whether because it's impractical and you can't like follow a student for the next 10 years and find out what they do, right? Or maybe even just like getting access to what they do in their class afterwards or whether or not they can apply, you know, what they learned in that session to other contexts. And I think that that's one of the things that the article brings up and a lot of people bring up is like the difficulty of like knowledge transfer beyond like one very discrete thing and whether that knowledge follows a student in any time or space or a context that's like other than the, the, than the box in which information literacy happens. So, you know, I think that this also gets at like some of the dynamics of teaching in other people's classes which um, 
you know, it's something that happens a lot at City Tech, not just because of, you know, the kind of work that we do, but also I think because of the many interdisciplinary kind of course models that we have, where there is like an element of co-teaching or people, you know, coming in to offer expertise on a subject that is, is it a discrete um, exercise, right? A discrete kind of um, visit. So um, I don't know if you want to talk a little bit about the strangeness or um, the experience of like being a guest in someone's class and how that's different from having your own class. Like I know that you and I both teach credit courses as well, um, or even maybe the difference uh, in terms of like feeling or culture of coming in as a like a guest, like a, a, a guest with expertise in, in a other contexts aside from the one shot and then maybe like how it feels in the library session and if, if there's any difference there i mean i don't know i personally have seen feel there is a difference in just in my own experience but yeah i don't know so like maybe just like a little bit on the culture of coming into a, a course that's not your course and like what that means for understanding what the students get out of it but also how the interaction takes place and how that might be different from other kinds of visits and being a guest. <laughs> yeah, it's, um, there's a, a little bit of, maybe not more, maybe more than a little bit. There is some, um, there's no way I could credibly, authoritatively offer an assignment for credit that students would do that's way outside of what I am there to do. But I think that might be one way to show that this, you know, these research abilities and ability to find and analyze and share sources for a research or an assignment that, that requires research, whether it's library research or just, or some other kind of research, that, that's, that's one way to really integrate what happens in the one shot that doesn't necessarily always have to be so passive as we may be making it to sound. But at this point, that's, that's not how we, we typically teach. Typically, one instructor teaches the class for 15 weeks and there are some guests sometimes, depending on the class. Um, one of the guests may be a librarian there for the, uh, for the library instruction or information literacy one shot. Um, recently, I, well, I, one of the English, um, English comp instructors I'm working with showed me, shared with me in advance of the session we'll do later in October, um, the library assignment which she developed on her own. It would really, really parallel something I would do and I, I was thrilled to see it. So it's still kind of incomplete. So I'm not gonna, necessarily know how she introduces it, how students do it, and I guess the next obvious step would be for the both for both of us to assess and co-grade it. If you've never co-graded before, it's a lot harder than it sounds. It, I mean, it's not harder. It takes a lot of time and coordination mm -hmm. in the way, in the model that we currently teach in. That doesn't mean it can't change, but right now, and I know, Nora, you have co-taught the interdisciplinary course in the library and, and co co-grading is part of that and um, I have taught it as well and it's it is some work to co-grade just because that's not how we think of in higher education how grading works again it doesn't mean it can't change so without being able to you know even given a, a reading in advance that is not incentivized or or has some kind of like value to the student it's um you know we can we can do some some activities in class I really am curious when I'm when I'm working with with classes in my capacity as the library the, the instruction librarian teaching the one shot typically and especially I've noticed in the in the um, zoom and remote era they're typically people who speak more and who use the chat more mm -hmm. are those the same students who speak and use the chat more in the other you know 
14 and a half weeks of the class. Oh, that's an interesting thing I've never thought about. So are we, are we still just kind of like reaching the same like six people? Yeah, I mean, I always assume so, <laughs> but I don't know. I mean, yeah. yeah, there is kind of that thing of like, um, that I feel when you enter someone else's class, I think you've got a, a little bit of this of like not knowing how things are introduced before you get there, not knowing like what happens after you leave in terms of if there is like an activity or something that the students do that will like reinforce the things that you have taught them. Um, but there's also, I think what you're getting at as well is like that there is like a weird, you know, power dynamic but also like that kind of goes on in that you're not you know the teacher of that class even though you're the teacher of that specific session <laughs> and you know that the, the culture of the class like every class has its own it has its own dynamic and like when you walk into a classroom that is not your classroom like you kind of have to read that dynamic like very quickly and try to react to it I mean that's kind of how I feel I don't know like you just brought up the the difference in potential difference in virtual versus in person and we have been doing a lot of these you know virtually do you find it more difficult to to read a class that's virtual yes yeah partly <laughs> yeah, partly because we we um and I think this is something that all remote instructors can relate to is if you're using a platform like zoom where you have where people sign on and you can see that they're there but there's no reason they need to have their cameras on. You don't know if anyone is actually there. And I understand that people have very complicated lives with work, family, school, and other things going on. And, and sometimes the class meeting is at a time when some other serious things are really are really happening. Yeah. That happens. Yeah. It's a good, a good argument for, you know, this that the practically untenable and unsupportable high flex model, unsupportable because we just don't have the the um, resources to support it. I don't. Th I think it might be really great for learning, giving people even more flexibility and ways to learn on their own when they can. Um, but getting back to like, you know, yeah, re reading. I think that's a really interesting thing. I'm going to try to reflect on as this semester goes along. Is is reading the room a little bit before? Um, and I'm, and this is where I realized in my own way I I was trying to center students. In kind of, a, and I've been trying to do, and I'm realizing the way I've been doing it is really kind of clumsy. Okay. Um, centering the library is easy. This mm -hmm. is the catalog. These are the databases. These are the books, and this is the tool to find them. And this is kind of how it works. If you have this really, you know, uncomplicated information query, and you already have evolved a research question that's answerable, mm -hmm. which are two huge things we can't assume for any person who's new to college like they like students are in first year writing and just sort of figuring out um, how to go from a topic to a research problem that is actually researchable so in my own sort of clumsy way to figure out student-centered learning it's it's earned me a lot of um you know crickets when i when i use the chat or or sort of offer kind of like a, an icebreaker I, i've been sort of i've been shocked at how badly my icebreakers have gone mm -hmm. since we started remote remote learning but they're typically i typically need to know i need to know i would very much like to know about students previous experiences with either libraries or assignments that have a have supposedly have a research component Mm -hmm. or even just um, their experiences with using like a citation generator online or something. These are things that I need to know in order to read the room. Uh -huh. yeah. So I'm thinking that the, the questions that I'm asking aren't quite, because students are, are really reticent to share, the questions aren't really landing quite right. So that's my you know, re reading the room 
in a particular way that's maybe not as sensitive as it could be. So this is something I'm really going to think about this 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 term. I don't see myself using it in persons this semester. I just don't see myself being in a live classroom with 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 people. Yeah, I mean, I think it's probably unlikely that it'll happen. Yeah, yeah, I think there's a lot of ways to get at like. I, I think a lot of students maybe do enter a library session and not know why they're there, <laughs> right? Um, I know that that's one of the main things that I hope students learn from the sessions I teach, like why use a library at all? Like what, you know what I mean? Because a lot of people are like, there's Google, <laughs> you know? Yeah. So, I mean, I hope that students at least leave my sessions, the ones that are there, <laughs> knowing like why you might use a library at all. And so, I mean, I think, I don't know, for me, that's like, if you don't get at that, then no one will care. Um, especially since like, I think you've brought up a lot of the things that happen um, in terms of like the classroom culture and power dynamics. Like, you know, a lot of students are motiva motivated by a graded assignment. And if we're not involved in grading an assignment um, or some kind of high stakes activity that they have to do, you know, engagement, engagement is hard. <laughs> um, maybe especially in online spaces. So, I mean, one of the things that the article made me think about is, you know, our capacity, I think power is different than like agency, you know what I mean? So I was thinking a little bit about if we're not sure that the thing that we're doing is working and if we did have like more time and space to rethink things, um, do like how much agency do you think we have like to advocate for different ways of doing things? Um, you know, what would, what would maybe that look like? And I guess like maybe how that would happen, like what process would need to happen I, and I understand that maybe some of this is not possible given not just time and space, but like other kinds of constraints, like institutional constraints. But um, yeah, so I don't know. What do you think about agency and how that might be kind of manifest within the one shot? Yeah, are, are we sticking with our same pedagogical allies that we typically are, you know, classroom instructors who 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 sort of under, who sort of understand and and want um, students to be fluent and critical researchers? Or because that's that's kind of it's an it's it's easier, is it mm -hmm. is it? But is it really a way in when as as what's happening at City Tech where there is a, a large um, rethinking of how you know what we used to call English composition and is now first year writing is taught like a really fundamental rethinking of it. Um, you know the the research bearing assignments are even evolving from semester to semester. Mm -hmm. Um, so this is this is I think this is a really good time potentially for us at City Tech to um, to integrate more and, and is necessarily going through first year writing just because that's what we've always always done. I mean the the partnership with the library and first year writing goes back you know way beyond my memory of of City Tech. So is it the 1980s or the 1990s or before then? It's possible. So um, are are we working with um, as librarians who each work with? as specialists for particular disciplines, do we work with the, the foundation courses and maybe the capstone courses in, in the majors? Or mm -hmm. are we really doing something? I, th I think, it, it, I think as you said before, Nora, if, if it's not, you know, if we don't use that sort of that motivation of um, a graded assignment, we might as well, we might as well use that because it is, it is a way, it is a way in. So yeah, I think it is about, it is about finding and making the space and time to really rethink this in a cooperative way with our colleagues in the classroom. And um, I know this, this sounds very impossible and lofty and like, it, you know, but I, I think um, we have to look for the smaller, the really incremental and, and, and small things that will begin to add up. And, and, and we, we don't 
we and we and we keep working with our you know maybe that maybe it's maybe it's several or a handful or se- or a dozen colleagues that we really feel like um are potentially you know great allies in this not mm-hmm. to not to you know it's not like we have antagonistic dynamics as well i think everyone really really want really wants wants this i i don't encounter much you know true skepticism but i think people are really feeling a, t- a time pinch all the time and a, and a, and a um with what, what I think twenty seven seats in a, in a class in one section of, of English eleven twenty one the second semester of first year writing that's a lot of grading mm-hmm. yeah so I can see where there just doesn't seem to be time for yet another thing there's a lot there's a lot to accomplish yeah yeah classroom time is like definitely a constraint for sure yeah I mean I think I really like that some of the things that you brought up just like in terms of discipline specific instruction because I think about that a lot like the difference between you know I mean that's kind of one of the things I was thinking about in the difference between like being a guest that's an expert um and and when I do discipline specific instruction I find that you know students are more engaged only you know in the sense that it is more connected to like what they want to do um with you know and it seems more connected to their field um yeah but like you mentioned I think I don't really know the his the whole history of the one shot um you know I know the history kind of of information literacy as it's been framed in our profession it definitely like goes back to to the 80s at least um but yeah it is it is it is interesting that it is in a, um, in a kind of general education space usually, right? I think that that's pretty normative in our field. Yeah, so I mean, like you brought up the idea of space and kind of imagination. Um, and one of the things that kind of keeps coming up, I think, is like the potential for there to be other kinds of like learning or knowing that happens through these sessions. So I don't know, I know that's like a pretty general ask, but maybe if you could think a little bit about like what, um, I don't know, like, I guess maybe what are some of the ways in which we could carve out more like space or time for, um, you know, for reimagining, um, like how we would do that. And then what, like, what other kinds of maybe like learning or knowing might happen through these sessions, whether that's like situating the sessions in differently, like in terms of like who we partner with, or I don't know, some of the things that you've brought up maybe already, but maybe other things as well related to reimagining or rethinking what people are knowing or how they know in these uh, sessions. At, at this point, I've seen a lot of assignment guidelines for the reflective annotated bibliography. It's an assignment that I think all first year writing, I think the first semester, typically um, students students do this. And what I, what I would really like to see in the assignment guidelines is more about the selection and reading and analysis of the, the say, three to five you know, I hate to, you know, I hate to encourage like a shopping list for the selection of resources to be described and annotated and reflected upon, but it does sometimes look like that a little bit. Um, how are students choosing? And this is something I, you know, I, I'd like to know, like, is, is there a way to guide them and get them to really think about um, the question there, how that source is really addressing the question that they're asking? Um, can that, can that be sort of more maybe maybe another another sort of ring in the the ladder rung in the ladder or um stage in the scaffolding of that of that of that assignment mm-hmm. for students to you know to really maybe evaluate and maybe they're drawing on and typically they're working on a on a using a topic that they've chosen based on something that they're already fairly knowledgeable about uh, you know a, a, 
a community, a discourse community that they feel that they belong to. Um, maybe, you know, it's something like describing what, um, like, a, like creating like a little mini handbook of like the top five things that everyone in that community should know about the information that's out there for them to regularly create, curate in some way or display or share or consume or critique or respond to. Mm-hmm. So I think that would be that would be kind of fun. That could also be really, really creative too, because it doesn't have to be a, a paper or an annotated bibliography type of assignment. So, you know, but again, we're, we're talking with a finite, you know, 15 week semester that's really, really, you know, packed with, um, with a lot of reading and writing. So, and I would, I would imagine that the people who teach the, you know, the core courses in a particular major feel the same way. Like this is essential inf- knowledge that we, we cannot, we must, you know, spend the entire semester delivering this knowledge. We need to get, we need to cover it all. We, and that's, but I think that's also something we've learned in the online teaching and learning world is sometimes you just have to cover less because yeah. this mode is just not as efficient as face-to-face teaching so far. Yeah. I don't really yeah. want it to be ever to be more efficient. <laughs> yes. Personally. Well, I think, I mean, that's, I think what you're getting at a little bit is like the, maybe the lack of efficiency or measurable things like could yield maybe more interesting discoveries by students and whether they're willing to engage with that is a, is a d- different question. Um, I'm glad you brought up assignment design and um, language. I think that that's like a big thing is like the language people use in their assignments. Like I, Especially the one that gets me is just when people use the, the phrase library sources. And I just wonder what students think those are and like what, I don't even know what they, what they are. Yeah, I mean, the, the easiest shorthand is to, say, is to say, you know, this library is very invested in the curriculum and sources that are appropriate. I'm, I'm using air quotes for yeah. all of you who can't see. Um, <laughs> for a, you know, a college level research assignment and that's often the language that I use, but I have to kind of laugh at myself. I mean, that's just, it just doesn't really, I kind of want to retire it, but <laughs> it's, it's a really a convenient shorthand for the compressed time that we're, we've got. Yeah. But I would really be, I, I mean, this is where um, having a conversation about that and, and being able to, being able to let students kind of, you know, share that space and for them to be willing to say, well, you know, this is not how that shows up in disinformation world that I'm writing about for my discourse community that I'm describing, that would really be a great, I would love to hear that. Yeah, well, it might be really interesting, I guess, like the space that um, the English department's creating where students are reflecting more on something that they're connected to that they actually have more knowledge about maybe than us, Uh, you know, and that's one of the elements of this kind of teaching too, right? Where you're like, not always like the content area might not be your content area too. So you're coming in as like a in some, in some cases, like I know both of us have like some humanities background, but sometimes you can be like teaching really outside of your disciplinary arena. And I'm like, I don't even, this is not my arena. <laughs> um, yeah, well, I mean, I think we've gotten at like many, many dimensions of the one shot. I mean, I'm sure people have maybe additional questions. I don't know if there's anything like last thoughts, anything that we didn't get to that are on your mind or like, you know, future-facing things that you hope to do. Wow, um, I think we're at the, at kind of a kind of a good place to to rethink some of this locally at our institution. We've got we've got a little bit of. I wouldn't say we have any more space and time, but we've had a lot. We've had some time to you know teach online, work with people in this in this mode, 
and I think we're learning from it. We're learning kind of what is what we're learning. Uh, I, I don't want to use the word efficiency like it's always a good thing, mm-hmm. but we're I, I, I don't necessarily think that's true. Um, but because we've been so challenged by you know questions about student engagement, I think that I, I really hope we're at we're at a good time to just to start exploring some of this in a way that doesn't feel like innovating for the sake of innovating. Mm-hmm. Um, extra work, more work, and more labor. Mm-hmm. I don't want to. I mean, I don't. I don't want to look for a, a bright spot, you know, and say like enrollment questions. But maybe this is going to give us a little bit of space and time to to look at this. Right. With with just having a, a smaller, a slightly smaller population. That's yeah. Yeah. Yeah, that's true. And I, you know, I like, I haven't really thought as much maybe as you have, it seems on the, on the maybe long effect of the virtual, maybe the disruption itself being like a, a pause. <laughs> I know the, the pause is a loaded term now, but yeah, yeah, no, I, I mean, I like this idea of like, maybe just that giving us a perspective that we didn't have before, even if we don't have more space <laughs> or a perspective that would allow for more reimagining. Um, yeah, well, I mean, I definitely, uh, this gives me like many things to think about, even though I teach a lot of these sessions, I think, you know, I know that you are more closely in contact with some of the disciplinary faculty that we work with and maybe have like a little more insight into that. But I really appreciate this conversation and thanks for being on the podcast. Oh. Ho- hope to talk to you again. I'm, I'm, so uh, glad we could, I'm so glad we could speak. Thank you so much for having me on. Having me on.